0: Welcome to The Look Back, my pandemic podcast. The one I started a few months back, sort of in the mid-period of the pandemic, just to help myself from going insane, but these are crazy times still in 2021. Anyways, I find some time to grab some interesting, intelligent, insightful people that I worked with back in the day just to catch up with them, see what they're doing, where they're at in their day. Um, how they're doing, kind of a check-in, but also the thought of having them share some of their thoughts and experiences and a look back at their career and what they see today. I am here with Nicola Corzine, the Executive Director of the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. Nicola, it's great to see you. Uh,
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: How nice to do it and nice to share uh, in the holiday season. We're both in that spirit like wonderful things out there you know to share with our kids and the the holiday spirit and to close the end of this year which has been a crazy year right
1: that's another one for the records it feels like i keep saying that for the last couple of years but um yeah it is it is the end of the year right around the corner a lot of time for reflection a lot of time for you know celebrating the wins as well as the hard moments i think that's always part of the process for sure at least for us as we close out the year
0: Right. And that's what's one of the great things. The NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center, a lot of people don't know, it's a 501c3 associated with NASDAQ. I know it pretty well. Um, (laughs) You've done a great job of bringing just thousands of entrepreneurs through the doors or the virtual doors through there to get some fantastic insights some mentoring, the Milestone Maker program. A lot of people know about A lot of people are learning about it. Can't believe, wait, it's free and you don't take equity and I get all this (laughs) amazing counsel. Wait, play that by me again. And of course you have to apply and it's a really special program. But I encourage people to check that out every time I can. And Colin's always asked me if I had some great candidates for him. But that's something fantastic that you've done and, and just the amazing programs that are nonstop. It's unfortunate because it was so fun to do them live. I hope we get back to that soon at the physical center, but you're still doing great programs, in fact, more than ever, uh, yeah. on the virtual side. And again, at no charge, um, nope. it's it's all fantastic and free to just continue to build the entrepreneurial pool, right? And make it not just build it, but to make it stronger, to make it better. You're doing some great research. So tell me, Nicole, where are things at right now? As how are we doing? Um, as uh as entrepreneurs out there are we uh, are we getting uh, better smarter are things uh, <laughs> are things evolving
1: uh well we're always moving for sure i don't think yeah. the to do list has gotten any shorter and i don't think it's likely to get any shorter and i think every entrepreneur's wish for christmas and every day of the year is to get more hours in the day somehow and that's just the one resource precious precious resource we're never going to be able to add to but i think you know a couple of uh, you know, Interesting elements that have come out probably in the last quarter. One is that there is definitely more confidence being found from our entrepreneurs around a look ahead environment. I think we're seeing a lot more people go, I'm really grounded in why I'm building this business. Like, why, despite all the challenges of these last two years, it's a good fight for me to be fighting and why it matters now more than ever for me to be on this entrepreneurial journey. So that's a really good thing. I think, on the other hand, though, you know, we measure. All of our programs that you kindly talked about are um, based on real time data that is coming in from our entrepreneurs, what's keeping them up at night, what are their challenges that they're facing, and then the incredible program team people like Colin, go out and bring in the best minds to be able to help our entrepreneurs get unstuck from those problems and back to building the businesses. But we measure our wellness factor for our entrepreneurs. We do it, you know, you you mentioned the numbers, but over 50,000 in the community, we've expanded substantially in in the pandemic in part because of the global need, I think, that all of our entrepreneurs were facing being super isolated, couldn't network in the ways that they once used to, needed to really be able to find confidence with one another and connecting differently with their peers. And it was really amazing that the center was able to be there in support of them during that time. So the community's grown. But the last quarter, we've seen an increase in survivability and not in the positive way. So in other words, a lot of our entrepreneurs have shifted over and they're fatigued. They're tired. It's been a, it's been a long year. It's been a long yeah. couple of years, let's be honest. Yeah. And I think the worry of like, are we really through this storm? Do we really know what to expect and how to gain the capital that we need to be able to grow our businesses? And I mean, capital, broadly speaking, not focusing in on any one specific area right now. And, you know, our 50,000 community is made up of 51% women business owners and 64% BIPOC entrepreneurs. And more than ever, I think they're struggling in an under-resourced, under-networked capacity in many ways of feeling like we, we... We've got a, a sense of urgency around needing to do things differently ahead. So you know, how can we support them? And I think through that research lens, we've been doing a lot of work this year on pay ownership and valuation issues that are affecting our women business owners. We could talk at length around those disappointing stats, but also moment to lean in and say, okay, enough is enough. Let's make this not be a problem in 10 years time. What do we do differently as a result? As well as the flow of capital to our BIPOC entrepreneurs. And, you know, a lot of pledges, a lot of promises these last couple of years, how do we turn those pledges into action so that again, it becomes much more of an equal opportunity environment for equitable entrepreneurship?
0: Well, I have to say, I'm gonna take a second here to pay you another compliment. Um, and maybe I'm just being, you know, very polite. Uh, I hate being nice or anything, but it's just.
1: <laughs> you know are known for this.
0: that. Well, kid, kidding, kidding aside, Nicola, you've been on the leading edge of these issues, and I'll talk about these issues. I mean, talking about creating uh, greater access on the uh, for funding for for entrepreneurs um, that aren't of the uh, uh, standard uh, white upper middle class kind of a background, um, finding different ways to get more people involved in the entrepreneurial ecosystem that is Silicon Valley, the Bay Area. But I know you reach well beyond that. Some of the first times I've thought about these issues were when I was attached to NASDAQ and the Entrepreneurial Center from the very early days of it before it even opened its doors. But on through today, it's like, what are the topics that people are talking about today? DEI um, and, and, and funding for um, minorities and getting other people actively involved and worried about mental health issues. These are things you were talking about years and years ago. Um, and you've been banging that drum. Are we making, are we seeing, any, and I, it's funny too, you mentioned, are we gonna see the results and you're measuring things. I see some metrics that are good and feeling like, okay, we're on the right path. We're not where we need to be, Not maybe not even close, but are we on the right path yet?
1: I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I think that we are making not just conversation, but movement in the right direction. And I think it's coming from the ecology of entrepreneurship. That's an interesting word. So let me, let me go a little bit there for a second. I don't know quite why I picked that one more than the (laughs) environment of entrepreneurship, but you know, it's um we always use that saying right it takes a village and i think in entrepreneurship that statement is very true but the power players in entrepreneurship are really a, a fairly narrow field but they are pervasive and they are across early stages mid stages late stages of the entrepreneurial journey and until you started to find not just early adopters that believed this was a real issue but you started to see that the interventions could carry over from one stage to another, that it wouldn't be early stages of capital that said, oh yeah, this is an issue, we've got you. But that that same mindset shift was happening with our mid-stage players and our late-stage players. Only then can the legacy of entrepreneurship really be changed such that this is no longer a wicked problem territory in 10 years time or 20 years time, hopefully 10 and not 20. But I think that there's a, a lot of conversations that have shifted in the last couple of years towards realizing what's at stake if we don't. And whether carrot or stick fan, I'm much more on the carrot side than I am on the stick. You you gotta believe that people realize we all have an opportunity and we all suffer And innovation is lost when we don't change this, when we don't start realizing what's at stake if we we don't address these systemic biases Mm -hmm. and honestly, the systemic racism that's plagued this industry for a really long time.
0: Yeah. The thought that occurs to me is I know you're making a difference. I see the programs and I see the coaching, and I think we are developing better entrepreneurs that are more sensitive, more aware about these issues. And I see a lot of evidence in the market, but how do we know when we've won? Like when we're actually on the right path, is there, a, is there a finish line here or is it just the journey? We just have to stay on the journey, stay vigilant um, to create you know, a, a, an equitable scenario. For such a startup. good question, Keith. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's 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 a long game. Unfortunately, I think in a, in a lot of these sectors, it's a long game. I mean, how the state the length of time that it takes as a private company these days is is close to fourteen years, right? Yeah. So, how do we know we've made a difference? We got we got to be patient first and mm-hmm. foremost, but we've got we do have to be persistent. And I think there are other markets that we could look at, and there are other social sectors that we could look at where we've said, "What happens when you take?" you know, the foot off the gas, so to speak. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's no longer the biggest issue on the books. So now we just don't have to worry about it anymore. And then you unfortunately end up re-dealing with a lot of these issues three years, four years into the future, whether it's diversity in a board, whether it's, you know, looking at the capital that's available to certain types of entrepreneurs or certain types of businesses. Yeah, these. Tend- I think where we hope to go is that, you know, you can measure incremental improvements. You will see that in things like, if we didn't make any change uh, to the system of pay inequities, it would take 136.5 years to close the pay gap worldwide. Well, that's measurable, right? And we can start saying, we need to be more accountable for ensuring that there is more conversation and more uh, visibility to the issues for our women entrepreneurs who are putting themselves on payroll at a rate of $46,000 less per year than male entrepreneurs. So we can all share that. And part of it is visibility. And part of it is saying we all have responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen forevermore. And again, not just because it's an issue of wealth, but it's an issue of market cap and innovation that's being lost when sustainability isn't there. A lot of what happened in the pandemic, our dear friend John Chambers said, look, companies that have six months of dry powder are able to sustain themselves a lot longer. Of course they are. But when you're paying yourself less and you're having to invest all that you have back into your business and you don't even have two weeks of capital, let alone six months of capital, what happens? You suffer. We all do. So it's a a community and a worldwide issue if we don't address it. And I think it's that reality mindset shift that's happening. And we're going to start to track things differently as a result.
0: Yeah, I learned a lot uh, working under you, Nicola, and learning, just watching how you did things and the subject matters we brought in and the leaders that we brought in, just some great... Great content, and I think that'll help move that move the needle. Um, I'm going to do one of my quick pivots. How did how did you you get here again? How did you (laughs) not? I know I know your background, so I can. hear, But share with us how you got here, and then I'll follow up with a couple other questions.
1: (laughs) Well, clearly, I woke up one day and I said, "I'm going to be (laughs) founding executive director of an incredible nonprofit. I should be so lucky." Um, You know, it's it's funny, isn't it? I think. So I always start by saying I'm the daughter of an entrepreneur that had so much to do with the twists and turns as to how my career unfolded. You know, um, my dad moved us over stateside when I was nine. And uh, I went back to university in the UK cause I wanted to travel around Europe, let's be honest. Why not? And um, I needed to get a job to do that said traveling. And, you know, I distinctly remember still to this day calling up dad and, and saying, Hey dad, you know, can we increase the allowance that I'm a, I have? And he's like, no, get a job. And I came back a week later and I said, well, I looked at the jobs, they're terrible. There's, this is nothing that I wanna do. And he said, well, then you should build something of value. And that conversation changed my life. It started me on a pathway to finding my own entrepreneurial journey. I started a company in a dorm room in college with two friends, not knowing what the heck we were doing, Um, but believing at the time that GSM, uh, the the cell phone industry, was being reinvented. As we spoke, that it was going from a luxury item to something that was affordable. And while a lot of people were taking a consumer pathway, I thought business was going to be changed ever more with the advent of that uh, shift in industry norms. So not knowing anything about the space, got curious and started building a company there. I did two other companies. One had a nice exit to Microsoft and one blew up. That is always the one that tells me I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. And as a good reminder, I think entrepreneurship's a lifelong learning thing. You never really stop learning. But in that moment, um, went back to a couple of the investors uh, that had funded the second company and, and really had a, a moment where I was very honest and said, I have no clue what I should be doing now. You know, do I go back to university? Do I get an MBA? What, what what do I do? And fortunately for me, very fortunately for me, they'd started a first time fund at the time and they were looking for someone that could connect with entrepreneurs who were inspired to build great companies. And I was always inspired to be around people who had great ideas who wouldn't be, right? Like, I think we're all drawn to that for sure in this space. Um, and I was like, that's a job. You'll pay me for that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is a job. And, and so do. that shifted my journey <laughs> to venture. And 10 years, I, a year later, I got recruited over to co-lead Band of Angels, which is the oldest angel investment group. And You know, for 10 years I was there, I did two venture funds. I was fortunate to work on the Startup America team, which under the Obama administration sought to learn about talent networks across America and how we could bridge those talent networks to Silicon Valley differently so that we all stood to improve. And, you know, one of my companies ended up getting acquired by NASDAQ, acquired, did a joint venture and uh, the founder and I had been good friends and he called me up one day and is like, you're not gonna believe what NASDAQ's working on. And it was the, the time that Startup America was really taking off. And I was really drawn to this idea of how insular, but how opportunistic it could be if Silicon Valley could just expand its DNA. It's, it, and, and, and not because we knew it, but because we had so much we could learn in collaboration with other talent networks around the world and to have this opportunity with NASDAQ And the foundation that was saying, we want to build a global home for entrepreneurship. And I was just like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? NASDAQ means something to everyone in the world. And the way that Band of Angels, as incredible as it was, was never going to resonate with all the entrepreneurs that could stand to benefit there. So I found I was going to go do one more startup of startups, so to speak, and uh, uh, become an executive director of a nonprofit and, and just been so fortunate and blessed to. Have an incredible team that inspires and and helps me learn differently and better every day. And and of course, all the entrepreneurs that we're lucky to be able to work beside and learn beside as well.
0: What a journey for you! That's fantastic. So, um, they're lucky to have you first and foremost. But let me ask you this as the head of milestone makers and all the other fantastic things you're doing, what are your milestones as you look? backwards, what have been your highlights, the things that you're most proud of, and maybe the thing, one or two things you would like have done differently.
1: The thing that I'm most proud of in some ways is the thing that we still have to look ahead towards, and that is reowning entrepreneurship. And what I mean by that is entrepreneurship is not an elite title that only a few and select get to own. It's what America was built on. It's what my dad came here for. It was why his dream of building a company couldn't be done in the UK in the way that it could at the time in the United States. And it is what draws people inwards to say, I have a chance to build a better life for my family, first and foremost, and to be a part of my community in a different way. I see a problem. I'm gonna take an action towards solving it. And that's not an elite state. And yet somehow or other in our short history, it's easy to have lost our way and sort of have found ourselves going, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur because I don't look like, insert, you know, your favorite entrepreneur at the moment, so to speak. And to, and, and to realize now 50,000 deep, a milestone for the center has been in saying, do you know the influence small business owner that you have over the state of high tech? And high tech, do you know the influence you have and responsibility you have over the shaping and support of small business? And to see the convergence of learnings and the acceleration that happens when mindsets are brought together in that way, globally is incredible. But it's also still our opportunity. 50,000, great. What about a million? And what about changing it so that even if you don't take the action to build, you can apply an innovation mindset to your own career pathway. You can find a way in which to contribute to the problems that you see, and not feel less than, but feel a part of, and in some ways able to unlock the solutions that you want to be realized for the betterment of all.
0: Oh, well said. Uh, I'll double click on that. Remember, every uh, every unicorn starts as a small business as an entrepreneur, yeah. right? Um, so, what what about the thing you would change? Um, not that there's a huge you know flaw in anything you've shared with us, but maybe maybe a decision that. You, you, you know, you uh, a path that you didn't need to go down?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think wistfulness a little bit on realizing the magnification that's happened in COVID to a certain degree over the mm-hmm. expanded community and wondering, gosh, I wish I would have done that six years ago. Ah. I wish it would have been possible to have had a global community of entrepreneurs. I mean, we have a beautiful physical space. I don't want to ever lose that, don't get me wrong. It's on San Francisco and an incredible marker where many have shown up and been like, wow, this is my home. This is my place for me as an entrepreneur first and foremost. But the limitations of the real estate footprint to a certain degree limited our exposure and and our understanding of global challenges plaguing entrepreneurs in different markets just because they weren't wandering on the streets of San Francisco. So
0: you would have expanded virtually a little bit more.
1: So, yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: And I think you need more budget too. By the way.
1: <laughs> well, you know, like all good nonprofits, we're always fundraising, my friend. We're always fundraising. <laughs> and now
0: another yeah, and now another little pivot in terms of of you have all these entrepreneurs coming in now from all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. I get to mentor and, and and coach up, you know, from your cohorts, but also others. What what do you find is the best advice or the biggest uh, voids in, in how they come to the center. what are they missing and what do they need to need to get uh, uh, some clarity on what's that, some of those universal truths that are just not that well known. We all know that product market fit and you know six months of dry powder, make sure you raise enough you know to get to your next milestone. Some of those things are pretty basic already because um, yeah. you've read enough. if you're any kind of entrepreneur, you've read a couple of the books and you follow a few of the other blogs and pods but what's the thing that you find most of these entrepreneurs missing?
1: I'm gonna take it in two ways. And again, very founder centric to a certain degree. Yeah. Confidence is always unlocked best by remembering the reason that you started a business and not putting it into the shadows. So for a lot of our founders, they aspire to try to say, well, we're gonna be like for like, we're gonna be the insert X for insert Y. And instead of realizing The passion and the purpose for why they're building a business is the most strongest of business barriers that could ever surround that founder. And it's going to be the thing that not only keeps them going on hard days, but it's going to be the thing that draws others into their orbit, right? You want to get an investor to lean in. You want to get a a potential customer to lean in. And you certainly want to get a talent hire in this market to lean in. Let them see your zest for why you're doing it and why they've got to be a part of it how they can contribute to it. Let them realize that and be authentic about it. And yet that's part of the story that often gets lost, that origin creation story of like, why me? Why now? We talk about product market fit. I continue to bang the drum on founder market fit. It's about why you are building this business and why the time is right for you to be investing this, all that you have into this business right now. I think the other thing that's often forgotten about is really important to make sure that the founder is being sustained in this journey. Um, you know, They are often drawn to the highlight reel that says, you should be working 24 hours a day. You should be laying it all on the line. You should be going until there's nothing left. And for sure, to yeah. the extent that you need to give it your all, that's great. But if you can't prioritize your own substance along the way, you're not going to be able to make it on this journey. It's, it's measured in the marathon, not the sprint.
0: Uh, Double click on that too. Well said, Nicola. You, uh, uh, you're uh, a great coach, mentor, but, you, but somebody who's done it before. And uh, I think that's so right. You got to have that, that passion and that confidence, right? Because there'll be so many moments of doubt fear, concern, that if you don't have those things, they'll overcome you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That might, I had a mentor of mine that once told me the two ABCs of entrepreneurship that matter, always be closing, right? Even if you're not raising, even if you're not hiring, you're always closing. You know that better than, than anyone. I should, I should be crediting you for that statement. (laughs) But the other ABC that you got to have as an entrepreneur is always be curious right? You always have to be curious. You're not going to have the answers, but if you lose your curiosity, if you lose your sense of learning, there's no coming back from that. That's the path. That's the moment in time when you've hit your peak and you're on your way down. I hate to say it.
0: How does curiosity evolve? So I'm always, I'm a naturally curious person. Um, how do I take that up a notch? How do I grow that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to be intrigued around, you know, markets, people, talent, the foundation of what business is based on. So again, I would say it's not about just knowing today, it's about being curious around what the next corner holds. And I think one of the secret elements that entrepreneurs always have, we used to talk about this at Band a lot is like, do does an entrepreneur have the ability to forge bridges when no one else has? Yeah. And bridges are best forged through curiosity, right? Like, there you go. huh, there you that's go. interesting. Yeah wonder what might happen if I took this tree over here and I brought it down over here and I started looking around here could I find a new path that hasn't been forged before and it's not just about new for the sake of new it's about being able to evolve and be relevant and be intentional with your customers always being curious to your customers needs never losing sight of that right we know that all too well what happens when you're like oh I've got it figured out I don't need to worry about the customer anymore. Yeah, that's the, that's the moment of death, kiss of death. I have heard
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I know I'm taking up too much time, but I have another question. I I, and- and I know you have a certain passion for social impact and ESG. I think it is fundamental that the next X years, 10, 20 years, are a, a disproportionate amount of investment goes in these areas. And we are cultivating great entrepreneurs who will come up with the next big ideas. Um, the I need a thousand Tesla-like innovators mm-hmm. and unicorns out there, t- you know, conquering the challenges that are associated with climate and, uh, re- you know, resources, et cetera. What, what, what do you think about that statement in general? I know you're aligned with me, but um, how can we do more in that area?
1: Well, a couple of things immediately come to mind. One is just realizing the relevancy of you know, the ESG priorities attached with the UN SDG goals or otherwise, across every single industry. So not to go back to the it takes a village, but I don't actually care what sector you're working in, you have a sense of obligation and opportunity to make sure that you're participating in that dialogue in some way. We all have um, a lot at stake, if we don't get that right. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, I think that, you know the flow of flow of capital in support of it has often been justified as a social benefit more than a than a business imperative but you can also and and uh, what's the current flavor of the month i think it's like the triple impact zone for uh, social impact companies trust me we all know that there's a high return a high return correlated with social companies Social companies are doing incredible work in the world, but there's also great returns to be had. And there's never been a stronger consumer sentiment around the importance of ESG and its effect on consumer buy, on its effects on where companies are born or not supported than ever before. And I think you know we're starting to see others uh, realize that. I'm starting to see very uh, non-traditional social impact funds start to talk differently around portfolio companies opportunities there or the ways in which they write up their PPMs that their investment memos for their fund formation and and its obligation in this sector. So I think we, we are starting to see it mainstream. And again, I think that's an opportunity but it's also something to make sure we don't lose priority towards is saying great, it can't just be though a conversation, It's got to be conversation with an intent to action. And hopefully we'll continue to keep that pressure upwards and also support the companies in discovering it. We've got a lot to learn. Nobody's got this figured out. It's never been done before. We're working in wicked problem territory, yeah. which means we all have to be much more intentionally collaborative than ever before.
0: Yeah, I still think there's, a, there's too few percent of uh, resources going in this area from an investment standpoint um but i think from a startup standpoint an entrepreneur standpoint i see a lot of activity yeah. so we'll see if we can blend those a little bit better than chasing a lot of these other categories that just seem you know trivial to me but uh that's a, a, a more of a personal view i guess um so uh final question what's your uh, what's the next startup you're working on in, the, <laughs> in, in in all of your free time as a mother husband fa- a wife um <laughs> running a <the> center <laughs> don't you have any you i bet you have some fun ideas though Uh,
1: oh i love this question this is i'm gonna wake up at two o'clock in the middle of the night and and start emailing you 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 prompted me to think of six other ideas um you know i i am intrigued right now with um what more might be done in support of developing Independent individual capital pathways for founders. What I mean by that is, we often look at capital as like you go down this path or you go down this path, and those are the two defined pathways. You mean
0: like angel venture, angel
1: venture, or I'm okay. going to go non dilutive grant fundraising, or I'm going to, you know, have hopefully enough side hustle entrepreneurship inside of me that I can build to grow that way. And very rarely do we start to say, well, let's. Let's begin with the end in mind. Like, what kind of company do you want to build? And then how do we stack capital in collaboration with that vision and in with that order? And it's not hard to do. It just hasn't actually been done in a way that is easily navigatable for our entrepreneurs. And the biggest issue that our entrepreneurs face, back to the earliest conversation that we had, time. And it's the one thing that we can't change for them. So we asked them to go do all this research. We asked them to go find, you know, their fit in the right. world of capital rather than change the environment such that they could be more successful at driving innovation forwards in the ways that they want to. And I want to solve that. I think we need to solve that.
0: Okay. I'll have an MVP over to you by the end of the week.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I'll
0: have a wireframe <laughs> built next week.
1: Love it. Let's do it.
0: And I'm sure we'll get an angel funded within days.
1: Oh without doubt. (laughs) Nicola, you're so
0: fundable and fun. Thank
1: you, my friend. (laughs)
0: I've got more questions, but why don't we wait to have maybe a holiday or New Year cocktail and catch up on some of those? We'll we'll cut off our pod for now because I know you've got a million other things, but thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Honestly, it's been my pleasure. And thank you so much for all the support of the center and for the support of the entrepreneurs. It matters so much.
0: Oh, absolutely. All right, Nicola, great talking with you.
1: You too, bye.
0: Thanks for listening to The Look Back. We do appreciate your support, welcome any feedback, and would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and even consider sharing it with some of your friends. For more information and other cool info, check us out at newmanmediastudios.com.